This is the Zero Downside Podcast brought to you by MoabTexas.com. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Zero Downside. Today we have an exciting topic, peptides. I know everyone's been waiting for this one and I'm excited to get into it. But before we start, can we just peep Dr. McKenna's shoe game right now? Okay, so I'm going to slide my <laughs> because we're going to show the peptide container, but I just want for those like, I, I just so you listening, know, they are did, we just what a, are they? A podcast with an OSU player and these are my j1 retros yeah like from like 2000 like 17 or something so right. I, I feel like yeah. in the last episode he literally was about to put his foot up above i almost put it in front head. of my face just, just so everyone could know that i've yes. got my i got osu j1s on like, so if I you're wondering dr mckenna does have style all right no, 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 no style but mad shoe game. Oh, right. there we go. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, All those, right. Those, uh, those have been the topic of discussion for, for a large part of the afternoon. So I'm excited well, to see them. Let's circle back. Peptides. Yes. So as you said, this, off. Of, of all the feedback we've had, we're, we're a half dozen episodes in. This has been the most requested response uh, outside of what we do with cellular medicine, what we do on the bone marrow side, everything else. The next topic everybody's begged me for is, can you guys just dive into peptides? Like we have too many questions. We want to hear your thoughts. And so absolutely, we have Dr. Wade McKenna here, you know, and, and so yeah. I, I want him to kind of start us off with. Well, I, I love the whole discussion on peptides because it's about everything that we really talk about with cellular medicine too right and and i think that especially when you really dive deep into peptide um therapy i i think that and we've discussed the just the the, the definition of terms forever integrative medicine regenerative medicine mm -hmm. sports medicine wellness medicine i think anti-aging probably describes the use of peptides best mm -hmm. uh, because really everything's trying to avoid cellular senescence, right? So the death of the cell, cell sequence being able to do what it does. And for me, um, it's, it starts and ends with a lot of peptides. So as peptides, you know, the stem cell secretes, there are 7,000 peptides that occur naturally in the human body. We can write you a script for, for 40 of them probably. Um, I think there's 60 to 70 that are kind of FDA approved. Um, there are some that you have to say you're doing for research purposes, but there's like 600 in the pipeline now in clinical trials for some therapeutic indication. The big pharma's on, right? They've, they've decided, especially with the success they've seen with some of the weight loss peptides, um, that, that peptide therapy may actually be a thing. And there's been, you know, the problem is there's a lot of, it's the same thing we talk about with stem cells. One peptide is not a peptide is not a peptide. Like it depends on, like we use only um, peptides that are sourced uh, from US sources. They're made in 503 labs. They're GMP certified. And GMP certification for a lab, which is, is good clinical practices, um, the it, it, GCP means that um, 98% of the time it has 100% purity, right? So it, it's, 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 consistent that's the problem with peptide therapy that's the problem with the old back in the day growth hormone pens when people are taking some more than at $2,500 a month which seems ridiculous now but at the time um, I guess made sense but it was you can't patent the peptide mm -hmm. the body designed the peptide you didn't design the peptide you, you can discover it but you can patent the way it's dosed you can patent the the way you administer it, you can patent. So they, there's a lot of IP chart protection that goes along with it. But really, as long as you're using a compounder with with uh, a GCP labs, the 5013 type of, of manufacturing, 
you're going to get the consistent product. The problem with the delivery mode for some people is the deactivation or how long is it good for, or is it heated? Is it treated right? Is it oral? There's not a lot of oral forms out there. They're very bioabsorbable. There's a lot of technology and a lot of money being spent to try to find absorbable, lifelized forms of different peptides. But peptide therapy, when people start talking about how outside of medicine it is, you, you really need to realize that the first medically approved peptide that, that really changed the world is insulin. Hmm. And, and, and insulin is peptide therapy, right? But for a diabetic. And you know, the insulin's a really important peptide. But I think you can make the argument that administering insulin is really only important if you're diabetic. And so if you're not diabetic, me giving you insulin is not gonna be therapeutic or efficacious. And so there's way better peptides. So if we talk about the importance of peptides, you gotta think of insulin as, because it's the first one really developed and used to be extracted from granular secretions. It was 1982. Like one of us graduated high school around that time. Um, it was 1982 <laughs> not say who. before. Yeah. We're not gonna say who it was, <laughs> but you can add the two together next to me and it would not have had them graduating in 1982. Um, and so for me to be in the class of 81, actually, um, and be able to talk about the fact that it was 1982 before there was a recombinant DNA produced form of insulin. Um, so where you weren't being asked is, did yours come from pork or beef, right? Like they yeah. were just doing granular secretions and which wasn't very safe and was, wasn't nearly as effective, um, and has a significant complication rate. Now there, there's some, there, there was, um, antigen responses to those. There isn't with recombinant DNA produced insulin. There's, a, a, you gotta realize a peptide is just a couple amino acids chained together that have a peptide bond. Um, the average peptide is probably more, you know, if it's more than two amino acids chained together, we call it a peptide, but really average peptide is probably 50 to hundred. If it's over hundred, it's probably a polypeptide. Mm. If it's thousands, it's probably a protein, but it's just the building blocks all start with amino acids. And so everyone out there's talked about amino acid therapy and proteins and all this stuff. Peptides are the best way to get something absorbed through the gut because it's a much smaller molecule. The body knows what to do with it. And most of these are synthesized in the body. The human body makes 7,000 of these. We understand that these are the basic building blocks for enzymes. They're the basic building block for hormones. They're the basic building block for ligands, ways to, to break chains apart, the way to increase cell health. All that is your body administering itself peptide therapy there are just a lot of outside of Western medicine approaches to peptides. And I don't think that there's any one peptide that you say, oh, this is going to cure this, but it sure makes the body easier for it to overcome this. And 90% of what we try to do is just make the body be able to do a better job easier. Mm -hmm. And peptide therapy has rapidly over the last, especially, especially the last few years, um, become the most cost efficient way to help someone's body do a better job. There are still some downsides. You have to be able to give yourself a little shot in the sides on some of these. Um, but we're talking an insulin sized needle. Mm -hmm. um, there's a little bit of learning curve in, in, in drawing some of these up and we may be able to show you that today. Um, but for me, um, dosing schedules, making sure you're not on it too much, making sure you have physician guidance in these. Um, the the reason we're so confident in what we do with a lot of these peptides goes back to the mantra that we all talk about with the zero downside. While there's not zero downside with anything, 
right? We say that almost facetiously because it has zero downside compared to all the other stuff we do. Mm-hmm. We're, we're nowhere near telling someone that there's no side effect of any of these. That's not, yeah. that's not true. Yeah. I mean, Tylenol is the most common drug of accidental and on purpose suicide. So if you look up in the PDR, the side effects of Tylenol, it says liver failure, right? Death. So, so we know that there's not zero downside, but when we talk about zero downside, we're just talking about in a comparative scale of what else we could bring Mm -hmm. you with Western medicine that this, but peptide therapy, not only can it help avoid a lot of what we do with Western medicine, but it helps you get better faster. We augment your body's ability to heal. Mm-hmm. We can, uh, even with, you know, we talk a lot of people around collagen. Oh, there's all the collagen, collagen. Okay, but what is the peptide that helps you be able to use that collagen more efficiently, right? There's actually a really good peptide that we have started incorporating into our hair treatments because when we're doing stem cells for hair growth, if you add this particular peptide, it makes a fairly significant difference in your body's ability for collagen regeneration for the skin, for hair growth. Um, There's peptides for sleep, which is one of Mike's favorites and not one that's on my, it it never really rose up in importance to me that much um, because once I got everything else hormonally and nutritionally kind of optimized, I I started sleeping better, Um, but, um, there is peptide therapy to augment your delta uh, side of sleep. There's peptides for collagen, there's peptides for wellness, there's peptides mm-hmm. for health. Peptides for weight loss, I think, is probably mm-hmm. um, the the most common thing that drives a patient to seek medical care. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we probably need to talk about that. We're going to have some fairly startling before and afters um, of, of just, you know, I think, me and my daughter even. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a a uh, 21 year old daughter that's you know applying to med school and taking the MCAT and and um, she was my little athlete at about 14 years old uh, herniated a disc got foot drop uh, in adolescence with foot drop it's, it's surgical urgency um, but once you have back surgery you're not my little athlete anymore and she completely reinvented herself much to her credit um, but with the lifestyle changes and insulin um, insensitivity issues because of all the corticosteroids she was given as part of modern medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she probably had you know, five or six epidural steroid injections with steroids back at that time um, uh, to help get her through some rough spots uh, to try to avoid surgery first and then mm-hmm. post-op to recover. Um, was on and off of some dose packs for pain and it kind of destroyed her immune system. She gained some weight, went to college, gained a little bit more weight. Um, and it was all about, it wasn't that, uh, that she wasn't eating right. It wasn't, she wasn't working out. She was just metabolically broken. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing happened to her dad, but her dad, um, takes care of other people all the time and has all the best toys in the world. And that's always what we say is Dr. McKenna's goal is to always have access to the best toys, right? We, yeah. we want the best technology in our clinic. We maintain the training of, of our staff and, and obviously me, I work hard to stay up on what is out there. Um, but we never want to be offering something that's already out of date. We don't want to be offering things before we think they're safe. Yeah. Uh, but we never want to be behind the curve on, on treating a health problem. And I've been administering therapy to other people for a really long time. And it wasn't until my mom passed and I had a big birthday and I have a 10 year old and all that happened at around the same time. And it was just 
time. I mean, you look in the mirror and I kept saying, oh, next year, oh, next year, and, and it'll lighten up next year and I'll take care of myself then. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're, you turn 60, your mom passes and your daughter turns 10 and you realize, I don't, I don't have next year. Like next year's not a given. And then it became really crucial to start. We hadn't even done my lab. Yeah. Like that's how pathetic it was. Like we, we talk about uh, uh, hormone supplementation all the time because we have a, a really great pellet doctor in our office. We prescribe a lot of, of hormone therapy for patients to get them ready for the recovery and, and sometimes pre-op to help optimize you as best we can to get you through a surgery. Yeah. I didn't even check my testosterone level at that time. I mean, it's no wonder I was just, you know, broken. Um, but this last year doing all the lab and taking through some steps. And I think, um, what's helped me with the peptide therapy is we don't think of one peptide as an answer to everything. We have access to 40 to 50 different prescription peptides that we'll write. But more importantly, the cell therapy, these cells are capable of secreting 7,000 peptides, mm -hmm. proteins, messenger RNA. And when you look at how a peptide is formed, it's transcriptase off the messenger RNA, these are the bits and pieces that the, the stem cells secrete. So really the building blocks for stem cell therapy goes back because it's secreting what we call a secretome, but really it's secreting peptides, amino acids, proteins, that enzymes, hormones, that your body, pieces of messenger RNA, needs to help optimize your function. Yeah, I'm probably gonna butcher this, but one of my favorite things that you said early on when, when we decided to, to make that a, an adapted part of our clinic is, is peptide therapy. Um, you mentioned that the peptides are there to fix a broken chain in the body. Mm -hmm. You know, much like what we do with bone marrow and everything else, it's just on a smaller scale. It's more target specific, and For I'm, sure. I'm probably not doing it justice. No, I think but... I think target specific is the key. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Because the, when you look at, well, you know, everyone wants a magic pill. Yes. Yeah. There's just not many now. We also make the joke that you know, if you had diabetes, type two diabetes, and you found a metformin on the floor and you took it and you felt better, you got really lucky, right? So the key is number one, what's in that pill? You need to know. Yeah, and you need to know what it is I'm treating, right? Yeah. So, still, I think that seeing a physician that understands the care, that can administer and monitor and guide you through the therapy, and be focused with the peptides that they administer. Mm -hmm. Patients ask me, "Well, what all have you taken?" Well, it's been 14, 15 months. Like I've been, it's like driving a cruise ship to get healthy. Like if you look at me from over a year ago, mm -hmm. um, I was 310 pounds. I worked a hundred hour work week. I take care of, I have joint custody of my 10 year old daughter and, and she's really crucially important to me. I had one daughter in law school that since graduated and has done really well. Uh, I have another daughter that's at Oklahoma State University and applying to med school this year. So, I mean, we, I was busy. Yeah. Um, and, and so if you look at my peptide therapy run, there's probably a good 30 to 40 different peptides we've had me on and off of throughout the last year and a half. Um, but one of the first things that we do is we try to figure out where you're at to figure out what you need. Mm. Um, we always make the joke that the most, you know, I always ask students like, what's the most important vitamin to take? No one ever gets that question right. Hopefully if you've watched any of these episodes, you know the answer to that question now is it's the vitamin you're deficient in. Mm, yes. That's the most important one to take. Yeah. Um, but we literally have a cancer patient that's had a complete thyroid resection, is on, had been on you know, cancer therapy. And when she went to her doctor this last week, was told, well, why are you taking vitamin C? Like, you don't need to take any of that. Like, 
like glutathione was one of the first peptides to be administered, right? Glutathione. And then there's oral forms early on that have no bioavailability. Mm -hmm. And so we would take glutathione and go, well, it really didn't help me. Well, that's because you didn't give it right. right? Glutathione is going to help. It's the most important antioxidant in the human body. And it starts going down at about 21 years old. Here's how you know anti-aging medicine is important in the, in the pursuit of that is we're probably the only species that lives this long after we're not fertile anymore. Because your job as an organism on this planet is to make more organisms on this planet. And so when your fertile life begins to go away, so does your usefulness to society from a, from a biologic standpoint, if you just want to think about one world, not thinking about it as a spiritual existence. But since we outlive our biologic usefulness on continuing to propagate society, then our job is to make society a better place to live for the other people behind us. And it's really hard to do that if you don't feel great and have energy and, and are living longer. And I think that the longer you maintain clarity, function, muscle strength, mm-hmm. um, the, the longer you're going to continue to contribute as we get past. I mean, the human contribution to society is not just based on whether you have a baby or not. Mm-hmm. And, and from a biologic standpoint, when you're making decisions about other animals, that's kind of where you stop it, right? Mm-hmm. Once they stop being able to produce, they're not that useful anymore. Like, um, like you said, Mike, I think one of my favorite early on like descriptions of peptides is that it's a system of systems. And once you age or you have a disease, something just knocks it off track. And you take a specific peptide to make sure that system goes right back into its normal functioning to make all the systems work together. So if you're having something like diabetes, is it really the diabetes or at your insulin resistance okay then we need to go treat the insulin resistance and we would use this peptide or this peptide depending on your other lab results and and, and man if if as we get into the obesity discussion yeah lord the misrepresentation of western medicine on obesity Mm -hmm. to to make it a something that we guilt patients into you know every doctor in the world that sees someone that's overweight is like well have you kept a, a journal of your food intake and are you eating low glycemic foods or and all that matters for sure but that's not where 90 percent of your calories way more than 80 percent, put it that way of the calories you burn in your human body are not burned with muscle mass anyway so if you're going to go exercise all you want your muscle mass burns about 10 to 20% of your daily caloric intake. Mm-hmm. Your heart, your lungs, your, your brain, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your, your gut, your kidneys, and your liver. That's 80% of the calories you're going to burn in the day, and you have no control over that. Yeah. If you stay healthy, you can have control of that. And what happens as, with obesity is your body is starting to kick out insulin because it doesn't want to starve. Like the, God did really good uh, at design. And if you don't believe in God, whatever made this organism come together is really <laughs> intelligent design, right? Yes. So I think mm-hmm. the intelligent design of the human body is that it doesn't want to starve. It was made for lean times. And so when your body doesn't get enough good calories and it's trying to burn those really inefficiently and then your body keeps secreting insulin because we get kind of metabolically broken and the way i think of it all the time is like if you're trying to burn green wood Mm -hmm. right green wood doesn't burn very hot and it doesn't burn very well and it takes a bit to get started and there's always some of it left over in the fireplace when the fire goes out that's what calorie burning happens as you become obese as you become metabolically broken you're storing all that 
but you're not burning it very well. And if you don't burn it very well, your body still desires more of it to take in. And that's where insulin comes in. So your body keeps kicking out this insulin to try to get you to have more calories that you're burning not very efficiently and you're storing them away and you never get into lipolysis. You can't get your body to burn the stored fat because it's saving it for when it has to have it. And it's hard to get your body to think it has to have it if you're not in some cachectic starvation mode. Mm. So, so the problem is you become so insensitive to your body's own insulin secretions mm -hmm. that you're storing everything away. You're burning the calories you take in really inefficiently. I mean, a Krebs cycle should give you five, six ATPs. You're getting two Well, your body's storing all that away as fat that you can't get to. If you can change your sensitivity to insulin, which the peptide therapies we have access to do, do now very well. Um, if you can change insulin sensitivity and your body's not kicking out insulin all the time, telling you to give it a quick fix, like it wants sugar, right? It wants a quick access to an easy calorie to burn. If you get rid of that and you concentrate more on fats and proteins, your body is going to do a way better job of burning those calories when there's not a lot of insulin telling it to get something bad for you. And if you can get your body more sensitive to its own insulin, then you can go into lipolysis, start burning fat, mm -hmm. eat healthier, not be hungry all the time and still be satiated, right? So losing weight by being miserable and never feeling satiated is not metabolically sound. It's not very reproducible. And it's not very healthy, right? There are really good, healthy ways to help people process calories better, not store everything they're taking in and, and get your body where you just don't have all those cravings, right? And, and uh, it's really hard to argue with some of the peptides we have access to now. Um, there are 13 GLP-1 receptor agonists. Um, there's one that has a GIB and GLP-1 access that we use a lot in clinic. Mm -hmm. But there's really two primary peptides right now mm -hmm. that we use to help people with weight loss. Mm -hmm. um, one's a little more expensive than the other, but neither one of them are the price, the pharmaceutical prices that you would have to pay if you're doing it through a traditional pharmacy. If you're not doing it through a compounder, um, by using through compounder services, we can normally save people 70% or more mm -hmm. off of what they're going to be paying for the brand name peptide therapy that you're getting through big pharma. And you can't, it's very difficult to patent something that your body makes. Mm -hmm. right? I, I will say this, you know, when, when we took on peptide therapy, when we took on the, these two that, that we're mentioning specifically today, um, I think our biggest advertisement was you walking around the office. You know, we, we didn't even have marketing flyers. We had no material, no, no anything out there saying, Hey, come, come here and talk to us about weight loss. You know, Dr. Dr. P in our office does a great job, you know, in, in working with patients and doing that. But I had so many patients pull me aside in the hall after a consultation with you and go, Hey, what changed, you know, in, in, I don't know if you're aware, but you wear a badge photo from the hospital next door to our office that still shows you as a, as a lineman size, right? 310 yeah. pounds and you still walk around. You're not used to the new physique, right? You still walk around like a big, heavy lumbering guy. Even whenever you say I used to be, uh, I'm 60. Now you're walking around. It's like, Hey man, I'm 60. Like this is what 60 should look like. Oh, and I yeah. think that's been a, big deal in our office. Well, I'm not getting patients at 60 for sure. Right. right. Mm -hmm. So I'm still, I mean, I'm still thick. 
Right. Uh, which I didn't know was a good thing, but apparently, you know, all the 20 somethings think is it has two C's. Yeah. I'm not going to, and apparently it. that's yeah. a good thing. If I say uh, it, it sounds creepy and awkward. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just going to nod. Uh, I had no idea that that was okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just going <laughs> to, so I'm still like, opt out of this yeah, one. Yeah. So, but, but Fair. I literally, we, we dipped me before we started all this. Um, I literally have three pounds more muscle mass at, at, at 220, 215 right now. Um, then I had it 310 a year ago. So you were um, 310 to 215 now yeah. in less than a year or in a year? Uh, about, about a year. About, about a year. Just right out of year, about actually. A year, yeah. yeah. It's been exactly a year. You're right. So, um, uh, and you if know, you're watching on the screen, we'll go ahead and pop in a before and after Dr. McKenna. But for those listening, I gave you a little new numbers to envision. Yeah. Go back and look at the video yeah, so you look, can see it. Because it's anyone, look, impressive. A, we've had a lot of patients over the last years. I looked the same. I pretty much lived my life. Now, again, you know, playing college when, when you're trying to play college ball over 300 pounds was a big deal back then. Mm -hmm. And it meant a lot. And I worked really hard to, to try to stay that the minute you get hurt and aren't playing college ball and become a met become a student again. Um, if that's what your goal is, is to be a student and not a student athlete. Um, I dropped down to about 260 pretty quick. Uh, and pretty much lived most of my adult life kind of around 260 until five back surgeries um, in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. um, put on a bunch of weight with all the steroids and the traditional medical treatment. And um, after a bunch of back surgery, it's really difficult to get to the point where you would literally have to make some value decisions. Am I going to work out today and try to burn some calories? Or am I going to make sure I can go to work tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 um, Unfortunately, I feel like a majority of our population is yeah. is that decision right there. It's whether, the walking wounded, right? Yeah, like yeah, I literally. don't know for sure if I'm going to be able to work out and still work, and I have to work. Mm -hmm. So you just start giving up some of the what you have perceived as what mm -hmm. you had to do to be healthy sacrifices. But yeah. now yeah. with peptides, you don't have to sacrifice. No, just <laughs> just getting someone hormonally. It's amazing. Look, we talk about the the peptides for weight loss and stuff, but the first thing for me was my testosterone was like 190. Like we got my testosterone. And what uh, is normal, by we, the way? Well, so oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Oh, Let's not mention the labs by the name. First, but, yeah. The first arrow of the day the to, to see if things spin me off. Like, so we, we hate what is considered, what, what Western medicine calls normal is not yeah. normal. So you realize these are not, oh my God, this healthy guy at 60 has a testosterone of this. So everyone needs that. No, what they did to achieve most of these lab values, they take a thousand people that are 60, measure their testosterone, their reason, and that's the age adjusted normal. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's optimal, right? No. So optimal testosterone functioning is somewhere between 800 and a thousand. You're free and testosterone. We, we try to keep nope. that total, total, total yeah. is we try so to we keep someone's to total testosterone yeah. between 800 and a thousand. Cause if I can do that, I can make it way easier for your body to burn a calorie, maintain some muscle, stay active, protect your heart. Yeah. Right. Like we talk about cardiac protection and from an exercise perspective, it's an insane amount. It's like, like you have to have like 150 minutes a week of, of elevated pulse for longer than 20 minutes at a time to change cardiac health. But if your testosterone is 190 and I can make your testosterone 800 and help you lose 20 pounds, 
we've changed your cardiac health pretty dramatically. Doesn't it help like your inflammatory load as well? It does. It's, a huge it does. Part it's, in that. it's as much about recovery as it is. Everybody always correlates testosterone with strength, right? It's yeah. as mm-hmm. much, if not more, about recovery, especially post 40 when you do dumb things for extracurricular activities. <laughs> um, it's, uh, trust me, I know. Um, uh, but it, it's Mike one Mitchell. of those things where the recovery, and, and so that, that actually is a great point, Hannah. I want to I wanna bring that up. So a lot of people are going to ask, why is a fellowship trained trauma surgeon? Um, getting into weight loss. And I think a lot of it, just to kind of segue into that, is you treat patients uh, on your table in your private OR and and you do so much to promote healing. We talked about repair versus healing in, in previous episodes. But the problem with that is, is as soon as you send them out the door, they were still walking wounded. And I think watching them come back for their post-op and you're like, hey, you've, you've got a new lease on life. Like you can move without the limiting factors it's amazing how not hurting a lot starts promoting you and what else can i get like how now my goals have changed right Mm -hmm. like my goals initially is starting out on some of this program stuff was to not die so quickly yeah um but once you start feeling better and then you start fitting in different clothes then it's hey maybe what if I did that? Now I could feel better. Now I can have my hair. Now, and, I you know, mean, most, today, this morning, you're saying your new goal was to get that V. Yeah, like, yeah you're like, I never v. even thought now you could I, imagine that I, on yourself. I, I, never. <laughs> right? And now, like, now I want the V. Now I want abs. Yeah. Right? Just so you know, I'm not ordering scrubs for you and crop top. Like, yeah. That's just I, right, actually, I, he did I, request I, for I, it. I, I said <laughs> the minute that we get me a V and I have abs, we're we're gonna use crop top scrubs. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna have my sleeves tailored <gasps> up the way the plastics guys as do. As Ashley. Right? said all of a sudden a lot of grandmas are going to be having knee pain (laughs) this might be my last episode better not be (laughs) now my my favorite thing about new health status for patient is and look it's amazing and mike's right that but here's the problem with orthopedics is the morbidity and mortality of those surgeries um obesity really can control a lot of if you develop Mm -hmm. a blood clot uh, fat emboli, uh, pneumonia, uh, postoperatively. So there are plenty of patients, uh, you know, there's no total knee rated for over 250 pounds. Mm-hmm. Most of them are rated for 200 pounds. Yeah. Most people that need a total knee are not qual- They're not a great candidate for it. And mm-hmm. we're putting knees in people that it's not technically approved on. Yeah. Right. It has a weight limit. Um, and so there are plenty of patients that we have sent for bariatric surgery over the years that without bariatric surgery never could have their knee replaced and walk without pain yeah. because if you're too heavy to tolerate the knee the complicate me putting you asleep to give you a knee that you're probably not going to walk on anyway and that's going to put you at risk of a blood clot pneumonia heart disease like i it, we just weren't willing to do wasn't willing to do that and so there are plenty of people that that need quick fix help because they don't have forever that we you know bariatric surgery the the new sleeve there's things like that that i think have made change people's lives for sure right does everyone have to have a bariatric surgery to be able to get to the point where they have a total knee probably not a lot less people now than before maybe Um, but i think that there's still some need for some emergent intervention for people sometimes and that surgery has come a long long ways technologically but when we talk about optimizing someone's health a lot of times we're just trying to get you ready for a surgery that you may not be able to be healthy through and i don't want to ever um be the one that facilitates the i mean my my father um a lot of people know the story after i I did one of his knees um 
15, 20 years ago down here and he did great. Uh, when he needed his other knee replaced, he wasn't the same health. He has more cardiac issues. I made him stay at the University of Native Valley State. I made him stay at the university center where he was, um, where his cardiologist was to have the procedure. He had a stroke, uh, a blood clot, an infection, um, was basically over the next year bedridden. Um, multiple strokes later, my mom took care of him for two years at home. He couldn't tell the difference between a phone and a remote control. Yeah. And my mom nursed him through all that. And when, so when he finally passed from that surgery, um, or, or the health status he was in when that surgery was accomplished, my mom was never going to have a total knee after that. And she's bone on bone and was having trouble walking. So it pushes you into the mode of how do I help protect people mm -hmm. from, and, and some people we can't like we still, I still do total knees. I like it's the surgery that made me want to be a doctor because it changed someone's life so dramatically that was important to me when I was a kid. And I just remember thinking, wow, if you got to work and make a living, I want to do that. Yeah. Right. But that's not just like, you're not doing a total need to a, to, a, to, to a model, you're doing a total need to a person. And you have to get that person where they can live through it, respond to it and do well with it. And that's not always the easiest thing in the world, but peptide therapy and some of the newer ways we use a lot of the peptides, peptides we have access to is, is changed everything. And if, you, if as long as you don't have, you know, uh, multiple endocrine neoplasia syndrome and some of the other bizarre kind of things that you we can't prescribe some certain peptides to or as long as you're not a division one athlete yeah like we just did a, an interview with the d1 athlete that um there are some peptides i would love to have used on it but you just can't because they're the ncaa will bang you on it yeah. right major league baseball major NFL, league baseball NFL. i think january one january this year. one this last year they yeah. took one of the most important peptides we used to kind of lower your overall inflammatory rate bp 157 yeah. which a lot of the mike's world right where mike's a jiu-jitsu guy and and so a lot of the ufc jiu-jitsu guys they they'll call it the wolverine molecule yeah so with bpc 157 it just helps everything heal Right, like it it's lowers your inflammatory load, helps get your body out of its own way, right? Mm -hmm. um, BPC-157, we we're talking this morning. What's the one peptide you can take in the morning to kind of change your day? Because almost all the peptides I've done are nighttime, late afternoon kind of administration or once a week or five days a week. Um, but BPC-157, because I'll inject it once around wherever my painful joint is and once maybe sub-Q, but I just go in a pattern around it. It's probably one of the two times a day peptides I'll use. But it's probably the only shot in the morning that makes a difference in your overall inflammatory load and pain. Sounds like the better option to steroid shot because it costs about the same. <laughs> I mean, it's not a steroid shot. That's not, it's right. the better option yeah. to oh, it. Of course. Yeah, yeah not yeah. only is it not a steroid shot. And, and look, yeah. Two kinds of steroids, right? Almost everyone that talks about one is it starts talking about SARMs now and anabolics yeah. and all that. And we don't we're not a big believer in anabolics. I, and I'm not gonna do anything that's gonna get anyone thrown out of the league or not not let them make a check. But do I think there's a role for for BPC-157 and some of the banned substances um, in a 40-year-old that I'm trying to get back to work and back on their field of play, as like Mike back in the jiu-jitsu studio or some guy back in on his CrossFit regime or some guy back on his bike, am I going to care about what the NCAA or Division One or NFL says about some of those peptides and proteins being banned? They're not banned because they weren't working. Yeah, <laughs> they're banned because they're a competitive advantage. Mm. It wasn't really a competitive advantage. It just helps your body act like it would if it was younger. The competitive mm. advantage is being younger. <laughs> well, that right? gets us back to like the if you want specific. if you want talented older athletes, 
banning the one substances we have that are healthy produced by your body is the stupidest thing known to man. Yeah. Like it's just it's just guaranteeing that as older as athletes get older, they're not gonna they're gonna be more broken. Yeah. And if we really care about people, then you care about how they function as they get older. And the downside of these peptides is so extremely low. Oh, come uh, on. You could almost say it's it almost, uh, what, what's that? It almost seems like it would be zero downside. Don't do that. When you compare it to SARMs and anabolics and all this, we don't use a lot of that. Yeah. Right. Um, but I will tell you that that doesn't mean that an 80 year old trauma patient uh, with bilateral broken hips, it, that study was written in the late 90s before it was made illegal that if you put um, 80 year old octogenarian multiple extremity trauma patients have a mortality rate of one year of almost 50%. Mm. If you're 80, you break both your legs, you're in a car wreck, you have a femur fracture and everything north of a hip fracture, hip fracture by itself, 20% mortality at a year by putting, because you lose so much protein muscle mass, there's a lot of protein mm -hmm. wasting meta. So myoglobin urea, when you can measure the protein in the urine from the breakdown of muscle, Myoglobinuria is a really good sign that you're still breaking down muscle. You could stop myoglobinuria within a couple of days by putting these 80-year-old trauma patients on a slurry of droblin and Winstrol and, and Nandrolone. We're using a slurry of anabolics at the time. They cut the death rate down by 50% at one year. And then the FDA made it against the law. Yeah. Which I, I, every doctor in the country has a bottle of corticosteroids in their office, which is what Hannah's, when we're talking about steroids, yes. getting a shot, yes. we're talking about corticosteroids, which shot, you yeah. would never inject a corticosteroid in order, everyone does it, but you would never inject that near a tendon with a partial thickness tear unless you want it to be a tendon with a full thickness tear. It can't ever help something heal. It's catabolic, it tears protein apart. We don't want to tear proteins apart. We want to use some of their building blocks, mm -hmm. which is what peptides Beautiful. are yes. right the building but box. instead of tearing stuff away why don't we give you the building box for those proteins that can help you make better use yes. of the nutritional therapy we're giving you not just taking a bunch of oral amino acids hoping they know what to do but giving you focused peptide therapy for your problem and addressing it that way well i know that we touched the surface of everything and hopefully we can go into a little bit more detail of other peptides and if any of you listeners have any questions on any peptides right now the new ones old ones let us know and we will definitely have an episode over it yeah i think i think that the 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 best way to address i think is because we have tons of patients on tons of different peptides right yeah. and and when people say i want to know what you did and do that well it's a journey, right? I yeah. mean, there's some that I did. It's like steering a cruise ship, right? You don't react to every wave in the water. And you can't um, fix everything all at once. That's what you're doing. No, you us. definitely, you, you fix you, things in stages, right? That's where the, the target the thing specific I had to do, comes in. First thing I had to do is figure out where I was, yeah. what was so broken. Um, metabolically, you know, being um, hormone deficient um, and knowing I could take care of that fairly easily. Uh, and then it was about man, my C-reactive protein, my inflammatory load was, it should be under one. I think my, my original was 120, something crazy. Um, and if you if your body's in a constant state of that kind of inflammation, you're gonna be sick and not feel well. And so with some of the peptides, dropping the weight, right? So terzepatide, semaglutide, mm -hmm. um, I think that um, there's some pretty big differences. And we, we are gonna do a whole podcast on that. 
But I think access to semaglutide and trisepatide does not have to be extremely expensive. Big pharma's versions are extremely expensive. Yeah. Uh, the compounded versions, which now, if you, as long as you get it from the right place, you're not buying it from the internet, or getting it from China, or sourcing it from your vet. Yeah, if you are um, listening to this podcast, please, I, I will tell you, I sustained an injury on a jiu-jitsu mat uh, a couple months ago, and I, I called McKenna cracking up because literally four guys reached into their gym bag and pulled out a vial and a syringe of, of what they said was BPC-157. And the first thing I said is, well, where did that come from? Oh, a buddy. Please don't buy it from a buddy. Yeah. Right? Please yeah. do, do what Dr. McKenna buddy. said. When's the last time it was refrigerated? Like, yeah. Even when I traveled with my little peptide case, which was my opportunity to show my shoe. Um, it has, it has a, it, it has a temperature control unit in it. Right. So mm -hmm. if you're going to travel with your peptides, um, you, you keep them cold, right? Like yeah. you don't put them in your dash in Texas in the month of August, or it's D it's not peptide anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. It's, it may be some amino chains, but you're not going to maintain the metabolic activity of the, the best use of, of the medicine. So obviously we're only scratching the surface today. There, there's so much to talk about. Um, I think the key points of the episode are, we, we do want to show those before and after. So I think just the pictures of you and your daughter is it's remarkable, right? It's, it's not just you saying, Hey, do this and you'll feel better. You've lived it. Right. And right. that, that's, it's, well, it's the, really staggering. the most remarkable part is my daughter's actually done all the work. I mean, she does yoga. She goes for walks all the time. Like she's like, she's done exactly what her doctor would yeah. have told her to do. Um, the doctor, um, I, my life hasn't got simpler, um, over the last year. Um, but, um, from a complication standpoint, it has got simpler from health standpoint. Like yeah. I'm not really on any prescription medicines. You know, um, we, we talk about some anti-inflammatories, um, that I take occasionally for sure. Um, but for the most part, no blood pressure medicines. Yeah. Um, no metformin, no metformin, yeah. no, uh, um, I mean, on some, on some of the nootropics and yeah. there are some drugs. Like if you look up some smart drugs, people, nootropic therapies, real, there's a lot of nasal sprays and, um, absorbable, uh, peptide therapy. Um, as far as mental clarity, your, your, your mental capacity to take in information and, and produce that, that post COVID fog that a lot of people have had, we've been treating with IV and, and, and now eye drop stem cells, uh, with unbelievable changes in, in, for people. Yeah. But if you're not talking about that type of an expense, there's a lot of these peptides that are really affordable. If we know exactly what your problem is and help you address it, we, we can do that with some individual tailored substances that aren't abysmally expensive and will really help you meet whatever your health goal was, right? Well, so for our audience, do us a favor. And if you're listening, um, make comments, right? We, we always appreciate your likes, your follows, your shares, but make comments on this episode with any questions you have regarding peptides. I know it felt like a large teaser episode and, and it's going to feel that way because we just scratched the surface. Uh, we are planning on at least one, if not multiple episodes to follow up and just discuss this further, right? Whether it's weight loss with semaglutide, trisepatide, whether it's... And maintain... So look, we don't put a lot of people just on unopposed semaglutide, trisepatide correct. once a week because my goal is to help you maintain some muscle mass. Like you want to look, the biggest predictor of longevity and, and lack of morbidity is um, grip strength. Yeah. Like the, from an old study, to, they followed like 10,000 patients in, in a Nordic country uh, where they have control of it. And, and they just wanted to see what's the biggest predictor of use of healthcare, 
right? So as you, as you get older, um, more important than your cholesterol, more important than your blood pressure, more important than how many surgeries, more important than overall uh, mental acuity scores was grip strength, which makes a lot of sense if you know that as you get more and more unhealthy, the peripheral muscle masses are harder to maintain and the muscles, the intrinsic muscles of the hand and forearm, not a lot of people base all the workout on that, but grip strength maintained over time is the biggest predictor against morbidity and mortality as you get older. Overall function, and we say this all the time, but muscle mass is the currency of aging. And it's not just about being lean and thin. We want your growth hormone acting like it's supposed to. We want your GF1s where they need to be. We want your overall inflammatory load to be down because we want you to feel good. But we don't want you to just look good in your clothes. We want you to be healthy. And sometimes that's weight loss. Sometimes that's muscle mass. Sometimes that's turning around your metabolism. But the addition of ipamorelin with CJC1295, like that, just that one thing at night, um, five days a week, that's insanely inexpensive compared to the old Samorlin growth hormone pill, you know, shots and all that stuff and way safer. We don't ever write for unopposed growth hormones in our clinic ever. No, sir. Um, but Ipamorlin CJC, uh, Samorlin with Ipa or Ipa Samorlin, depending on where someone's at, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. Um, but for our standpoint, Ipamorlin CJC 1295 being on one of the weight loss peptides, uh, somatotides or peptide, it's, it's always, kind of low-hanging fruit on just helping people not be so metabolically broken. The body wants to do a better job. We just have to help it. Well, awesome. Awesome, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. And I appreciate your trust.